but we're back at it. It's so good to have you, Jenny. So well, good. Thank you. I'm really glad to be back. And you know what? I enjoyed talking to you so much. I'm happy to be back a second time. But now this is like for real. This is for real, for real. And yeah. the cool thing is, is that we're both having uh, spicy water, as we they are. say. Yes. It's delicious. Um, for the folks that are going to view this on YouTube later, you cannot see the spicy water because mm-hmm. it's spicy water. And we both have jobs that we really like day jobs that we really enjoy so you know yeah it's it's like not illegal for me to um enjoy spicy water outside of my career believe it or it not it isn't yeah it's not and you can show it for me i might have to be careful right but you know right. what i'm also you know what i might roll that charisma it might be a charisma saving throw to convince them that it's just spi- it's uh it's just spicy water and not spicy water yeah i'll set the dc pretty low on that I appreciate that. So how have you been though? It's been a while since we've talked. A lot of things have occurred. I know there's, I know you are growing on the TikTok, as they say, as the kids say exponentially, but how are you doing? How's your campaign going? What are, what's new in your life? It's good. My life is good. I wake up every morning excited because my life is good. It's I'm coming up. I was just thinking about this today. Actually, I'm coming up on my like one year anniversary of like starting this TikTok journey, which is pretty interesting. That's legit. Um, It's legit. And you know what? I joined the TikTok game so late, right? The people that joined during the, and you too, yeah. But but you already had your thing going on on Instagram and all these other platforms. And I joined the game so late. Most people experienced their massive explosion of growth um, during the pandemic and things like that. And I was just too old, I think, to like really wrap my head around TikTok. And it took me too long to really get into it. Um, however, I've had a, a blast doing it and kind of catching the the tail end of the wave. And uh, it's been such a really fun experience. My home game is good, but we're all so busy with the start of the new school year and all mm. of us are parents. And so that's been really, really hard to find time um, and make that happen for everybody. But uh, so we're seeing each other probably more infrequently than we have in the past, I don't know, six months. But it's kind of given me some space and in, in my brain, I think, to just be a better, stronger world builder and better DM. You know, I don't know if you ever take breaks from from your games, Brian. Oh, you're, yeah. you're pretty you're pretty prolific. But like it just kind of gave me some explosions of ideas. I mean, I, I feel like I'm suffering some burnout at the moment. Yes. Uh, because like it just makes me feel I feel like okay so let me step back I've been doing the Instagram game for a while and as a way to show folks my world building and just say hey this is how I world build if you like it you like it if you don't you don't it's okay um And then it started becoming a, you got to create content. You got to produce content. You got to feed the monster, so to speak. And I started focusing on that. And then it became a business because people, you know, it became a business quite honestly, because people wanted to either give me things or donate things or, Hey, I want to work with you or I want to do this or that. And I've been, I mean, I'm flattered by it. But I also had to think like, okay, is this something that I can make a business in or be or create a business in because people are doing it and they're enjoying their life. Like they're having such a greater 
uh, work-life balance and the fact that they're enjoying going into work and not that, I mean, I love my job. I really do, but it's, you know, who wouldn't love to play D and D all day as their job? Like all I day. would, yeah. like yeah. I, I would absolutely love that. Um, so as it's been going, I started late on TikTok as well because of my day job and my day job during the pandemic was just, it was crazy busy. And for lack of, well, you can find me on LinkedIn, so it's not really like crazy, but cool. we're going to connect on LinkedIn. Yes, we have to, because um, I do, I have the bearded nerd side and I have the LinkedIn side, you know, ooh. I got a, ooh, ooh, no, I'm kidding. That's for my weeb fans out there. But anyway, um, <laughs> I'm all over the place. But um, I love spicy water, Brian. I really do. It's awesome. And I don't drink spicy water often. Oh, you're um, funny. But I noticed that the TikTok game, like I was super late into it. I mm -hmm. think I was late like a year. And it, man, I, it was like a kick in the stomach because people that I know in the community who I'm so happy for them. Like I'm happy for the dice creams and, you know, the critical dices and, but Same. they like blew up, like they went beyond above and beyond. And I, and again, happy for them. I love them. Mr. Kurt wise, like all these folks, like he's good, so funny. good, solid people. And I hope, yeah. I hope his, the stuff that's going on with his personal stuff, like gets better, but yeah. Yeah. Um, which by the way, folks, if you're interested in that, just go follow him on TikTok and you'll, you'll be caught up. Um, but yeah, no, it's just like, it's, a, it's, it's, I feel like I am a step behind, but then I realize, like, wait a minute, that's not what it's about. Like, it's about, a, it's about becoming a member of the community, not yeah. trying to like be this, you know, I don't know, personality. I don't know. I, some, I often think about that. Like, am I, and I kick myself in the butt because then I think, am I giving my best to, and I don't know how you feel about this as a content creator. And it's really weird to say, like, we're content creators. Yeah, don't Not... say that. I know. I know. It's weird. Though, we're, like... we're just dungeon masters who have the opportunity to share our shit with other people. And that's really cool. I actually like that better. It actually gives me a lot of inner peace because it's not that I'm ashamed of being the quote, you know, a creator. I am a creative person, but I often look at my it, it's I feel like if I call myself a content creator or when people call themselves content creator, there's a bad stigma around it. There it's, is a stigma around it because don't we? I say the word content creator and I conjure this image and I'm sure you do, too, of like this girl in a bikini on a beach who's, you know, used face app to tune herself into something who's selling you some weird multi-level marketing scheme or some makeup or some false eyelashes or something. And it. Or, I mean, the word content creator makes me think of, like, very, very specific people in the D&D community that I am not. Yeah, and I think that – so this – so something that you brought up and, and from our past conversation, you're a dungeon master, you're a world builder. Sure. So, you know, you are focusing on showing folks how you build your world, how you approach being a dungeon master – or a game master, how you know for whatever system you're playing, right. and I, I I I do agree with you. I think that the whole, the word content creator is so used because people um, people are kind of selling you something, and they're being or you know an influencer because they're in and they're trying to use their influence to sell you something. And for us, like the technical term, yeah, I mean, I could see that, 
but we're just DMs trying to show people. So it's almost like rather we're we're more like I want to say because you're a professor, would you say that the current space like in the D&D niche market um on the internet, would you say that we're more like instructors of like hey, this is how you do this or would you say that we're more like kind of like that vlogger where it's like here is a journey and a look into what we do? If you like it, go for it. What do you, what's your, what's been your personal experience? I would say it's more like a micro educator, right? Mm. And micro motivator because I can't, you know, in a 60 second TikTok, I can't teach you the ins and outs of, of how to have the confidence to be a dungeon master. I can give you a 60 second tip um, and I can be there and be supportive of you and send you that message that, Hey, you'll never know until you try and things sure. like that. But I, you know, it's as far as education goes, and I, and I think there's a lot of, of D&D creators in this space that actually they do. They have Patreons where they offer um, like full-on DM lessons. I think Critical Dice does it too. Um, they offer full-on lessons and things like that. Um, you know, DM Inspo has a whole Patreon dedicated to teaching people how to be a DM. And so I think I'm more of a, a micro-educator, more of a a micro motivator. Um, and maybe one day I could work myself into like a, a D&D education space. Um, but I don't know if it's if it's there yet, but that would be a really, really cool goal. And I don't I don't know what you call yourself, but you and your content offers me a lot of inspiration for world building. And so while I don't go, oh, that's how I would do it. it, it what I do take away from a lot of your posts is I go, Oh, what if I did that? But I tweaked the right. Mm-hmm. And so I get a lot of that from your post and your post even get me fired up on world building. So stop it. I have stuff to do, Brian. <laughs> well, no, I appreciate that um, because that's what it's there for. It's there to be. These are tips, tools, techniques for you to basically take into your world. Like I want you to take that those D&D tables and to implement them in your world whether you just roll them for the night and say like, oh, I forgot to do this, but this would be really cool. Let me roll this table. Okay, I got this. Cool. Roll with it. No pun intended. Um, And sometimes you just inspire me. Well, you're full of dad jokes. Sometimes you just inspire me to go, damn, I should just make my own table. Why didn't I think of that? Right. And then I'd like take that away. And that's my takeaway is why didn't I do it like that? Well, and but and you know what? And I'm I'm glad that the tables are being used because what often I think about is, okay, like, are they being, are, are, are people understanding, okay, with the use of this table, like, oh, did I make it over? Did I overcomplicate it? Did I, did I do, you know, I, I often think of those things, like how to make this thing better. And honestly, like I've taken those tables and I've really used it to build things out of because I, I'm, I'm really inspired. And, and actually, m- you know, my question to you is, you know, what inspires you, right? If do you, do you find inspiration for your world through books or through like movies and film or plays? Like w- what inspires you when you're world building? You know, I am not a TV watcher and yeah. I am not a film watcher for the most part. Which works out fabulously because the players at my table, I swear to God, have seen every television show and film that's ever been released about anything ever. Um, And because I have never seen any of them, 
Um, all my ideas can come from places that they don't tread, which is generally yeah. books and music. Um, and so most of my ideas are stolen from songs and and books. So when you, but specifically when you say songs, mm-hmm. are you thinking, is, are you saying like full songs or lines from songs or both? Both. Absolutely both. I had a whole um, story arc in when I did um, the live stream of Valiant Fate, which is archived on, on YouTube. Um, and uh, that was based around a a song about a ship. And it was just kind of like a, a love song to a ship that goes through oh, this, this small story. Um, and, and, uh, and I based a whole story arc off of that. That's legit. I yeah. want to do a one shot or at least a campaign arc. Um, if you've ever heard of Unleash the Archers, they have this really legit song called uh, Cleanse the Bloodline. Okay, this sounds intense. Yeah. Well, it's like they're they're a beautiful metal band. And um, the lead singer, she's she just has amazing vocals. But um, basically, the story is that this kind of witch type character, um, in order to continue living, requires the blood of one of her sons so like it brings in and then her servant who's bound to her must find that son and then his son and his son and his son and it just continues so you know in in a in a sense like that's a perfect campaign arc because now you're putting players who may not know what the plot is truly and you know maybe maybe they think like like every adventurer oh this person gave me gold i'm gonna do this and then they realize oh wait a minute that's her son oh wait a minute this is pretty morally weird and gray and then go from there so yeah i i definitely can see where using song um can you can just take from a song and build from there so with that being said though how do you build a campaign or build a session? Like, are you basically saying, okay, here's the plot, you know, here's the, here's the OG plot and then go from there. Or do you ask every character or every player, excuse me, Hey, what are your interests? What are your ideals, goals, so on and so forth. And then build around that. That's such a good question. And I think that question in general hinders a lot of homebrew DMS, right? Because it's Mm -hmm. so overwhelming to like, build a campaign and a story yeah. from scratch. It's it's incredibly overwhelming. And I've always been a huge fan of character-centric campaign building. Okay. Um, and and by that I mean I request from my players there after we've discussed how their character is going to fit into the world a significant sized backstory that you know has a lot of depth to it and i have some small requirements that your story requires your backstory requires at least one antagonist your story requires at least one friend right and so i have some some requirements and i end up with this 10 to 16 page backstory from each player and what i do is i take those backstories and i carefully um, have some spicy water and become a complete mad woman. And I intertwine those stories into make one insanely um, type of, not a plot because I don't prep plots, but a a even larger history that intertwines each character's backstories. And generally they know to leave me enough holes to give them lots of surprises. And I, it the unraveling of how their characters are intertwined is kind of part of the story and then we can resolve 
each character's antagonist issue. And then it all culminates where all of their paths lead into one. Um, but I don't, I don't come with a set plot and you're, unless it's like a one shot or something yeah. um, that you're all, here is the, here is the, the sandwich that I made for you. And you're all going to eat. It yeah. is very um, player fluid and player centric or character centric. Okay. So you are then focusing. So to, to make sure I understand this correctly, you center everything around the character and that development whether you have like your plot your plot hook here right you're like oh there's stuff that's going on in the world if you want to go to it you can but if you don't that's your choice too so is that kind of what you do it is but it's also much more their characters are the world right sure. the world is wrapped up in their characters they know enough lore before, beforehand um and we've worked together beforehand before they write that backstory um so that their character is so deeply um entrenched into the world and its history um they are um intertwined with my unique pantheon and things of that nature and their characters are the stories mm okay i like that I'm going to quote that from you. I'm going to, don't worry. I got you. I'll credit you. Okay, because okay. That, After, that, but not until I get a bearded nerd t-shirt. I got, I, I might, hmm, we, we might be able to just, sorry. I was going to try to twirl it like a BBG, but not this time. Yeah. No, you're I'll looking very um, snidely whiplash. I am. I'm trying to, I, I'm trying to, this is the spicy water now makes me the BBG. Yes. I feel I'm like that Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. I'm usually like the paladin by day, but when mm. I have the spicy water, I'm the warlock. Noted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, but you as know, soon as that as soon as that baby goes to bed, you're another guy. Exactly. Yeah. I have to be the paladin when she's asleep and when she's awake, but specifically mm. when she's awake. Um, when she's asleep, I can be the warlock and I can try to create experiments. And I don't know. Actually, funny enough about that with kids, have you ever because I know you know you have a beautiful child, and and I was wondering, do is your DM style different if you've D, like if you've DM'd your you know your kid or your your yeah your kid and, and their friends, like is your DM style different? Does it alter when you're DMing for children, or does it stay the same? Because again, my daughter's ten months, so she she doesn't play just yet. Yeah. Uh, my son is, he's only four, so he doesn't play yet either, but um, we do have a nightly routine that involves, we make up a story and each story every night comes to several forks in the road where he chooses the outcome of which, which way the fork mm-hmm. goes, because that's a, just a fun way to do storytelling in general anyway. And um, it keeps him involved and at least he's listening and it's not like he's going to go to sleep ever anyway, because he's four and four year olds sure. don't sleep. Sure. Um so- <laughs> You'll see. You'll see. You think your kid doesn't sleep now. Just wait. Um, But anyway, so it allows him to kind of have um, some agency in the storytelling. And that's kind of neat in itself. But it's always like the most chaotic choice. Of course. Um, For a four-year-old. Right. Right. Just saying. So, so yeah, it's, it's different. But, you know, I play in real life. I play Dungeons and Dragons with a bunch of adults. And we have a bunch of um, heavy adult dark themes in our stories hmm. well l- let me address something though because i feel because like something that i do want to make sure 
I think you're, I would still say that you're playing D and D with your son, even though it's not D and D because what D and D is to me is just a storytelling game. It's, it's just, it is. it's just, you know, you have dice to make certain rulings, yeah. but in reality, it's a storytelling game. Hence the reason like the rules and mechanics of D and D to me aren't necessarily set in stone. Like, and they're not, and they're not even necessary to play. No, they're not. It's and I'm just, it's just gravity. That's all it is. It is. That's, yeah. that's perfect. Like it really is gravity because you're not. So what I've noticed with other TTRPGs and really any other war game, their rules are hard set like Warhammer fantasy, Warhammer 40 K right. Being the role play aspect of the miniature game. Right. Um, they have rules that are hard set. Like it has to be this in this doing this. Um, and I feel like Dungeons and Dragons doesn't do that. It basically says, here's a, here's a bunch of rules. You know, if you see the camera, so all these are just rules that you can maybe play by like one D and D. And actually I would love to get your thought on one D and D one D and D basically just solidified. Hey, these are we're officially saying that there are there are no quote hard set rules that's my interpretation because what really been saying that all along the dmg says that like every six paragraphs is like yeah but actually those are what this book says but it's actually just up to your dm um and you know the player's handbook says that too which i think is great for some people, but also, boy, that's just more and more and more work on the DM, yeah. um, which is, you know, th- the biggest hindrance to people being a dungeon master is the amount of work involved. I agree. Um, I-, I think that so this is the predicament with one d and I love the concept so far. I really love what they've done for player like uh, character creation for the players. Removing some of the racial bonuses. Okay, that's fine. We saw that in Tasha's. Um, taking a feat because of your background, like if you're a thief, you know, thief background or noble background, you get this type of feat. That's cool. I like that's that. Cool. Yep. Um, I like any type of character customization. I'm into it. And I think this is my hunch. So uh, when pull the lever DM hears this, um, Please text me, Joe, and let me know if I'm right. Because the last episode, I told him something and he was like, damn, you're spot on. So, Joe, I'm looking at you. I want you to tell me if I'm right or wrong. I think what they're doing is that they're taking from Pathfinder, which Mm. is character customization on steroids and applying it to fifth edition. What's my evidence? Well, Pathfinder, if you haven't played it before, basically gives you the multi shades of green and blue and red. They don't necessarily give you the, you know, the yellow, the other, all the kind of like basic things. No, they give you like in-depth detail on how to play a gunslinger or a fighter or a, pa- or whatever. That's yeah. what they do really well. And I think fifth edition uh, or rather D and D wizards is learning from that and saying, okay, we're going to take what Pathfinder does and we're just going to put our D&D spin on it. That's my personal take on it um, because now you're able to customize your character so, 
I would almost say like so specific that it's almost where you're they're they're allowing and hence the reason one DD, I don't think this is necessarily new. I think that you know, with all the books, if well, for the folks that are just listening to this, from first edition all the way to fifth edition, you've pretty much you can choose whatever you like from that edition. That's why it's called an edition. You can just choose what you like and add it to your game. Um, and I think now with one DD, they just made that official, like, hey everything's backwards compatible now you can basically go forward with it but again i don't know what your thoughts are on that because is does that rather does that make it a problem does it does it like you said it makes it puts a lot of work on the dm is it going to be a problem to have this elite specific character customization option and now your dm has to like work overtime to incorporate it what 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 are your thoughts on that I think it's a couple fold. I'm interested to see if your theory is right about the the customization thing. Um, and I think it makes sense, especially considering they now have so much data that they have access to now that they have D&D Beyond, True. right? That they can see how D&D players are spending their time, right? And they're not spending their time making homebrew spells and homebrew feats and homebrew um, backgrounds. They're sitting there doing character customization and having 500 um, characters sitting in their, their um, I don't know what you call it, your roster of unused characters yeah. and making and having new character ideas and new character ideas and new character ideas. Is. And that's what players are doing. And so they have access to that data. So that makes sense. I would say if there was anything that was really lacking in 5e, it would be the inability to truly customize your characters. And it's, I would say, more due to the limitations of the published content than anything else, right? There's not that many feats to choose from unless you start using outside stuff. There's not that sure. many official published backgrounds unless you have frick ton of books and they're expensive um and, and things like that so it makes sense to appeal to the ever-growing massively exploding fan base yeah you're on the you're on the nose with that because and i just realized it too where or yeah i just realized it that a lot of the official content in reality is i don't want to say it's not lacking it is very basically this is what we have yes. because wizards is really good about saying, Hey, here's our open gaming license. You know, we encourage you to create feats and spells and everything else. Like we start using that as dungeon masters, because let's be honest until the most recent purchase of, you know, D and D beyond and everything like that. It really has made it a bit difficult to justify okay do i pay for the book and yes. for the virtual component yes. versus like oh i'm gonna pay 50 60 and now i get both like that that was a beautiful design and i'm very thankful for that because you know 10 more dollars for a book that i'm gonna buy and i get the virtual component awesome um but yeah no i i think you're right on that where dms are the ones homebrewing let's be honest like we're the ones that are homebrewing the spells homebrewing the feats creating factions and guilds and creating a mechanical component to it like yes they're why okay and, DM, and dms are few and farther between they're not the people that are actually buying these books that they're putting out it's players and that's why so many of their you know campaign books 
read like a book book because yeah. it's really the players are buying them. You're right. And and then funny enough, this, like the modules are for the it's almost like the, the players are buying the modules and then the DMs are buying the supplement guides like the Tasha's yeah. and the yes. this and, and, yes. and the what is it? Tasha's um, trying to remember what's the newest one that came out. Oh, I, I remember. Well, here's a perfect example. Players are buying Spelljammer and like DMs and players are buying Dragonlance, but a bunch of DMs bought Tasha's. Like I think every but person ha- but you had to, right? Yeah. In order to to keep to keep current with what the players want to do, you had to. Well, and and funny that you mentioned that Tasha's introduced that racial bonus thing. Like just because you're a dwarf, you don't have to take if you don't want to take the I think it's the what plus two or plus one in constitution or whatever it is like, okay, you can do, you can put it somewhere else. If you want, they changed that rule and a dungeon master had to have that so that they knew what they were, what was going to happen. But I don't know. I just, I'm very, I'm not hesitant. I do like the idea of one D and D. I am very cautious to see how it actually is implemented by the community. Because as we know, um, at least what I've experienced, like in the community, you either have people who are, it's like, there's no one in the middle. It's always like, right. I love this or I hate this. I know. I've, I, it's interesting to see like the outrage over some things when it's like, well, just don't do that. Just don't use that. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> which is an easy, easy enough answer. Um, there are some things that I'm, I'm interested to see how it plays out, like things that maybe I need to play test with a little bit more or maybe things that I'm hesitant to try. And then I, you know, I sit back and I need to, you know, reconcile with myself, like, do I not use this because I don't think it'll fit in this game correctly the way at least I play? Or am I just old? For example, like the um, the automatic success with a 20 in an, in an ability check or something like that. Yeah. That they've been tossing around for one D&D. But, you know, I... Very few of my skill checks that I ever ask for are ever a success or fail. It's like a gradient, right? Um, yeah. Where there's uh, things that are different levels of success and different levels of fail. And then there's something right. in between where maybe right. nothing happens at all. Um, so this idea of automatic success is, you know, it, it how does that fit into my play style? And I have to sit back and I have to really think about that and how I would run that. Or if I come now to like a group of players that only play one D&D, um, and they expect an automatic. So now do I ha- now is it a homebrew rule in my game where things aren't automatic? It's a gradient. Um, and so that has to be like a table discussion. Yeah, uh, it'll be it'll be interesting how that plays out in the future. Do you do that? Do you do success on a gradient or you do success? Hell yeah. Gr- yeah. I, it's a gradient because this yeah. is the thing. So here's an example that I like to use. Um, the classic bard trying to convince the king to be the king, right? right? So how I would treat that if they got a natural 20. Yeah. Okay. That I basically would say that that's it's a very convincing argument. And instead of being the king, you're going to be the court minstrel. You'll be the right. court. Like you are now a member of the court, which is very hard to do, mm-hmm. especially if you're not of no of noble background. Right. And, so, and, you know, and if you run it as like best case scenario, then it's just often how I run like a great success is best ca- when it's an impossible thing, then it's best case scenario, which is in this instance, the king laughs at you and thinks that it's a really good joke and slaps you on the back instead of beheading you. 
Exactly. Like you're okay. Like you're going to ruin a thousand years of monarch, you know, of a monarchy. For, no. Or, you know, what I could, what you could do is say, <laughs> oh, you're going to, you're the king now. You're a level five bard and you're the king. Okay. You have okay. a ceremony. And then now guess what? Your, your um character's goal or whatever, you know, you want to call it. Yeah. You have to rule the kingdom. And now you have to go. Now this, it, it, I would convert it to be a political intrigue campaign where oh now you God. have to protect yourself from backstabbing, from, you know, poisoning, from all the things that would, would occur or, oh, now a bard is the king of whatever country. Oh, now other countries are going to invade. Like those are the power plays that would happen. Right. Yeah. You, yeah. But that's no one what has I time for do. that. So I could not make that happen. I would do it because I would want, <laughs> I'm going to probably say something kind of controversial to my audience. I think as a dungeon master, you have the ability, well, you have the ability to say no, right? Obviously, no is a complete sentence, not only sure. in the world of Dungeons and Dragons, but in life. Thank you. Thank Dun you. Like I preach that all the time. You don't have to be a yes and DM. There's like such a culture that the DM has to say yes and otherwise they're toxic. <laughs> but it's like, what about no, but. Exactly. Is a I like sentence that. Too. I like that. I, it's, I, you know, you don't have. Yeah, I like that. It's yes and or no, but like yep. use that depending on the situation. Yes. Um, I just I, I don't think. And and actually, with the one D and D thing, the natural twenty doesn't apply to us. That whole skill check doesn't apply to us, which I find dumb because it's interesting. Why do you? So you're running. Let's say you're running the NPCs. You're still yeah. you're still playing, but as yeah. the dungeon master, you're running the NPCs. Why can't the NPC if they have a natural if they you know roll a natural twenty? Why can't they? Whether for good or for bad, why can't they benefit from that? I noticed that with the monsters can't have criticals. Um, I thought that was an, an interesting one. Well, it also just doesn't make sense. Why would a monster like I love the book um, and I, I forget the I think the book's title is the monsters. The monsters know what they're doing. I think. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I will say I've read snippets of it, but yeah. I've not read the full uh, the full book. So I, I need to I go haven't and, either. I, <laughs> You know, I take what I can from it, um, but the monsters are going to be creating an environment, whether to protect their territory or if they're more sentient or if they're more intellectual or whatever that they may be, they'll have a goal and a purpose. So that's where I'm just kind of, I don't think, I, I don't know. I don't like the whole monsters can't crit. That's just. That doesn't make sense. I understand it's what they're going for, which is they want the players to feel super powerful and they want the players to win. But the action economy already sets the players up to to succeed and to win. Um, mm -hmm. And so uh, it's interesting, well, but I, I understand what they're doing, especially with the new audience coming in. They want them to feel like super powerful heroes. And not everybody plays in a, like a super gritty campaign like I do with a lot of realism. So I don't know if I'm ready for that rule, but I think if my players wanted to invite that into our game i would entertain it but it's not i'm favorite. just not going to use the rule we don't now either so i'm i'm and honestly um 
I don't, and, and you bring something up with the action economy. First and foremost, yes, the action economy is totally meant for the players to have a higher success rating because if Absolutely. if if you are not and and again and if you're not having that success that's maybe a different story that's another mm-hmm. episode but yes. um <clears throat> everything's already geared up towards the players being the hero yes however and correct me if i'm wrong if you were a player let's say you were playing in my campaign and you fought the battle that it, you know you were on death's door so to speak but you won that battle even with like one hp would you feel more accomplished than if you played a game where oh natural 20 natural 20 and like all these high rolls and oh there, there's just no you know oh i still have three quarters of my hit points left like honestly, I, I love high risk, high reward. You know, I love the whole no guts, no glory thing, right? I want to be on death's door and then somehow overcome because that's the hero's journey, right? And yeah. that's the that's the story that we all love and we all live for. But yeah, absolutely. But I do understand that they have um, you know, a, a a new audience and a different audience. I've you know through this community that I've been building, I've met a lot of a lot a surprising amount of DMs that don't have death in their game. Nobody dies. Really? Yes. And that's how their players want to play. Interesting. Now, do you think that's because are they being driven by the players or do you think that they're being driven? They're basically saying, well, I don't want death. And oh, cool. My players don't want death either. So great. Do you think it's that type of situation or what? why do you think that's so prominent? You know, I didn't ask. I think I've never asked. And I play such a different game where my my players are constantly knocking on death's door and praying to the gods for a chance to come back. Um, But I I didn't ask. Um, But I think that would be a cool thing to ask if you ever get some DMs on the show that don't have death in their games. I think that would be a really, really cool question for them. I don't have resurrection in my game. Ooh, you don't. Interesting. Unless it, my, they I have run to resurrection do... homebrew rules, so it's a little bit different. It's a little bit more high risk, but uh, that's interesting. And so, well, players, players can't love I, it that way. I should say the players cannot access resurrection until they've reached a certain level. That's cool. um, they can go to high level clerics, mm-hmm. but what what is the price they pay? Right. My game is all about balance. Yeah. If so, recently the one of the warlock characters in my game, uh, he wanted more power. He needed more power for a battle. And basically, I said, "All right, what are you willing to give? What are yeah. you willing to sacrifice?" And um, he's probably going to hear this. So sorry, bro. Sorry to sorry, spoil bro. anything. Yeah, but I mean, uh, actually, I'll, I'll, you know, plug your ears, Jacob, if you're going to hear this. But yeah, um, Jacob. yeah <laughs> that's right. I'm going <laughs> to wag my finger. No. um, So his character developed horns because of it, mm. because he's playing a tiefling variant. And tieflings in my world were uh, engineered for warfare, mm. just like the Asimar. Like yeah. So the Asimar and the Tieflings in my world were engineered for warfare to fight each other. Yeah. So you'll get dwarves that have Asimar features such as or Tiefling features. So they have like the big burly um, beards, but they have like the purple or red skin and horns or 
vice versa. They're they look like dwarves, but they have maybe white eyes, and their wings are like you're kind of like your um very asymmetrical, like classic dwarven type like metalwork. That's sure. how their wings would look. Okay, so here's my question for you, Brian. Do you did you talk to the player beforehand about adding horns to their character? outside of the game or was that something that you decided in the moment in game i decided that in game that that would be part of the price that they pay they knew that tieflings um are looked upon as either pitiful or that they are looked upon as some sort of scourge depending on where they're from mm. just but I, and the- i ask that because i've as a DM, I have this, I don't talk about it often because it doesn't always come up, but I have this unspoken rule that I use as a guideline for myself to mm. police myself that under no circumstance do I ever alter any character's appearance without talking to them first. Yeah, and this rule, rule of consent. Can, it, right. In my head that I use comes from horrible experiences playing Adventurers League games. Nothing against Adventurers League. It's a really good idea if people could be vetted um but from interesting experiences in adventurous league games or pickup games i guess you could call them of dnd um where weirdos want to like do weird it things sucks. to the way characters look in their games yeah it's man uh i can only imagine what what people go through i've only played adventures league once mm-hmm. and i freaking hated it yeah, and I played yeah. Pathfinder Society for a bit. Oh, cool. Um, because I actually, my way back into TTRPGs was back through, you know, I, I started with D&D, stopped, went through to Pathfinder, um, and then went back to D&D. Um, but there were weird people playing. I'm not going to lie. Like, there were a lot of weird people. And it's not like no and i'm not saying the social not socially awkward i'm not saying any of that i'm saying people who gave me such a bad like vibe to borrow the language of this generation (laughs) um it was just really weird it was creepy almost Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. as a man i was creeped out Mm -hmm. so when i saw like other women and other people in general just creeped out at this one individual and I, I I don't even remember this guy's name, but I remember him as clear as day, though. And I, actually, a fun story about that. We almost got into a really bad altercation, him and I, uh, because, what? oh, yeah. So we were playing Pathfinder and this one kid, uh, I think he and I, I think I've told this story before on other episodes, but he was 15. So in the state that I live in, um. You cannot drive past nine o'clock with your learner's permit, right? Um, you can't, it's, it's a curfew thing. Um, you have to have a parent with you, if anything. Okay. Okay. Which makes sense because there's a lot of deer and there's a lot of like wildlife. So if you hit a deer, God forbid something happens, you know, some of this, the, the, the crazy hills and roads that we have, I get it. Okay, but, th- but this kid, I live in Florida, so after nine p.m. you have to worry about the crazy people. The Florida like that you that you, yes, I like yes. that you worry about deer. Yes, okay. Yeah, no, we only worry. Well, we worry about deer and you know some crazy people, but that's 
not like Florida level crazy. No, crazy. not Florida yeah, man yeah. level. No. Yeah. Um, so, and this kid base, we were in the middle of combat and this kid, he, I guess he got a text from his mom and he was, and his mom was there to pick him up. Um, and he was like, Hey, like I gotta go. My mom's here to, you know, take me home. Yeah. And this guy got pissed off and just, and throughout the night he was telling this kid how to play Pathfinder, not teaching him, telling him. And I remember he had a, he was a brony. Like he had a huge, you know, my little pony pendant thing. And like, he had like a weird goatee. Like it was, he, he it was weird. Um, and oh I remember I just, I was, I was very young. This was over 10 years ago. And I, I, I blew my casket. I was like, dude, are you, and I used certain words and I was basically like, all right, dude, like, are you going to be this way? And then he got in my face and I was like, all right, dude, let's go outside. Like, let's go outside. Like, and I was just, I was like, I, I was not a proud moment, but I was definitely like, all right, dude, let's go. Come on. And then I went outside and I just waited. And this is like, I, and this is bad. This is like past Brian. I used to be a heavy, like cigarette smoker, but then on the other aspect of it, like I trained jujitsu. I've trained all these things for years. So I'm not proud because that is not what like a, a mature practitioner of any martial art would do. But I was so pissed because he just bullied this kid. Like he was just being a straight up dick. And I was just outside ripping a cig and ready. And, and my, and my best friend, John was like, you know, he was playing magic and he was like, um, he was like, Hey bruv, what's going on? Cause he's from Ireland. So he was like, you know, he's like, Hey bruv, what's going on, mate? And like, blah, blah, blah. you know, what's wrong? And he was, and I told him the situation and he was like, all right, I'm ready. Let's go. Which again, beautiful thing about the D and D community. We're always there to, to defend each other, even physically. He never came out mind you things cooled down he went home yeah i know i was just i was like well guess guess i'm just gonna you know i I really am a troll i get uh, not a troll uh, a dwarf i get hot-headed and i just see red but with that but you really are a paladin because you know the you saw the situation assess the situation and and had to stick up for what was right i am i am truly my character i am truly my my oc um but no I only I really say that because in this community with what we were talking about Adventures League, like mm-hmm. great concept, but why great would concept. you? It's just I don't know. It's I don't know. It's it's just weird. Um, but and again, I say all that because in my personal opinion, we have we're we're on as Galadriel said, we're on the tip of the knife. Like we can go this way or that way. And it's like, if we feed the one group that that toxic group, because I, I really do think that there are, all, I mean, there are toxic people everywhere, but for some reason, the D&D community has a lot of toxic people. It does. How do you, because again, you've built a huge community on TikTok. How do you combat that? How do you deal with those guys, with those people? The ones in my comments, it is, you know. I think I have I have a lot of experience dealing with it because I'm coming out of the music industry. So I put a lot of music out there. Um, and so I've put my, you know, myself out there and my creativity and my work out there a lot only to get, you know, YouTube comments that are disgusting. Um, and so I think that 
like whether this is super sad or not, but it's kind of desensitized me to it a little bit. Mm. Um, and then there's this, you know, and there's, I get this idea. I'm like, well, I'll just, you know, I'll just block this person, you know, cause they're saying yeah. stupid stuff or they're like, you know, you'll get, maybe this happens to you, but it happens to me every once in a while. And I'll get like 75 TikTok notifications. And it's one dude is writing at like something shitty on every single video. I'm like, bro, who has time for this? I, um, but I like, ha- I had that happen to me. Um, yeah. It, and so it happens. And I just, you know, I want to go in and, and block them. But it was actually just recently, last year, I was playing with um, people who were significantly younger than I am. And they were like, you know, they were talking about, um, oh gosh, there was some sort of incident on Twitter. And maybe you remember this last year where Gary Gygax's son got into some altercation with somebody on Twitter about, I, I, I'm sad to say that I wasn't following the story too closely, but I had a lot going on in the time. Um, But and then ultimately said something kind of shitty and didn't like their response. And so they Gary Gygax's son blocked them or something on Twitter. And I guess that is like the un PC reaction now to block somebody like that's not okay. Um, Hmm. But also like if you're just. Twitter's a dumpster fire. Let's, let's man, isn't it? But I mean, you know, it's TikTok will be the new dumpster fire, right? When yeah. when these things sunset, when you know, Facebook has already set, Instagram is setting, right? Yes. Twitter is in some weird place that's overrun by bots. That I don't know what's going to happen there. But you know, as as these things sunset more and more people move to TikTok, you know, it will be more of that, and that will happen, yeah. and that space will you know have its time and run its course. Um, and so I don't, you know, I don't ever really know what the appropriate thing is. Unfortunately, I'm kind of like you, like my gut reaction is like, well, I should make a video response to them and show them how stupid they are to everybody. Or I should pin their comment and everyone can see what a dumbass they are mm-hmm. or, or something like that. And I think just as I get older, I'm just, I'm slowly but surely getting better at just ignoring it and being thankful that somebody bothered to watch my content in the first place and somebody was engaged enough to leave a comment. However shitty it was, it does boost my TikTok by them leaving a comment there. So I'll just leave it. Um, I'm getting better at it. I wish I knew that when I first, when I first got that comment from this dude. Oh no. Who ripped me a new asshole. For what? I mistakenly said that paladins get an and actually i was actually correct paladins get 6d8 total radiant damage okay that's the max damage they can do but it is speci- it does not say cuz again oath of the watcher comes from tasha's uh yeah uh, yeah from tasha's when you are level 7 or 8 where you have improved smite after a melee attack, you add a D6 or a D8 of radiant damage. Okay. You don't have to expend a spell slot. It's free. It's basically, oh, I hit with this. So let's say uh, let's say you have a you know great sword or or so that's a thing, 2D6. You you roll that, then you roll an extra D8. And that's what uh, that's what I believe the aura or is it an aura or yeah it's it's one of the things but the paladin has it basically from the divine you gain this you know that that kind of like i don't want to say cheesy tagline but you know the the flavor text sure yep 
And this guy was just like, no, that's, you shouldn't even be teaching what, you know, being sarcastic and all this other stuff. And I, like, it got to me because I, again, I had like 20 notifications at this. Yeah. And, and I thought to myself, I wish, and I blocked him. The first person I've ever blocked. See, that's my, that's my gut instinct is I don't want you to engage with my stuff. If you're just going to be hostile, like, why can't we just talk normal? Because I think the maturity level is different. So, you know, you're saying talking about Facebook, like ironically, Facebook is growing organically again, because I think they're pumping the numbers organically. Like Mm. meta is just like pumping numbers to increase Facebook. Instagram is kind of a weird hodgepodge. I personally think that TikTok is where Instagram was in 2012. Yep. And I think Instagram's going to set like the sun's going to set on them soon. I agree. Like, do what you got to do on Instagram. Sure. No problem. Get your money from your real bonuses or whatever the hell you want to do. I don't care. (laughs) Do what you got to do. But I think TikTok is going to be the way to showcase your, you know, your stuff. If you're a world builder or a tabletop creator, whatever, you know, that's where it's going to be. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think because of that, though, the and, and I love I love the community that I've created on TikTok because it they're very supportive it's either very supportive or very toxic um right i don't i think it's the maturity level like it's i'm not trying to be offensive but the maturity level is different you have people and the perspective is different right like it's a whole group of people that that has a different perspective on D and D than I do. I told you I previously i i come from a D and D reddit creator space um and so it's it's like in some ways we're there. Um, and so, no, no, and so no it, I know you're there, but Reddit is so like, how should I say this? Reddit. I've had great crazy I, men. Oh yeah. Like it's yeah. full. It's a Reddit. God bless Reddit. But honestly, like I've seen some great homebrew stuff on Reddit. Mm-hmm. I've seen some broken stuff on Reddit, but every dude on Reddit, and I'm talking about like dudes, like they're just assholes. Like to everyone. I don't get it. The, the best thing about being a creator in a Reddit space where we make D and D stuff is the, is twofold. It's the, I guess it's all kind of paired into one is kind of the anonymity of it as well as the, I get treated differently because they don't know I'm a girl. But if they knew I was a girl, they would treat me differently. So could you explain that a little bit more? Because again, I'm I want to be respectful of the topic because I obviously as a male, I don't I maybe I'm oblivious to that as well. And especially in the Reddit. What do you mean by that? And I'm not trying to be sarcastic. I'm really trying to understand. It's it's a weird conundrum that's really difficult to under to explain if you don't live it um my i can yeah and and i you know when clubhouse was exploding um one of the the chicks that i played D &D with at the time we were hosting um sessions i guess is they're i don't know what they're called on clubhouse um, rooms rooms on clubhouse discussing with other female D players what it's like to be a female player in D and just some of our like crazy experiences and our creepy experiences. And what was really interesting is that, yeah, we'd have, we'd pull these girls out of the audience or whatever to come, to come talk with us. But the majority of people that were raising their hands to talk 
were all men. And they mm. wanted to tell us their perspective on women in D&D, which was really fascinating. Um, and we got lots of people that were interested in talking with us. And it was it was a fascinating time on Clubhouse for its day. I know Clubhouse is like trying to rebrand and relaunch or something. Um, but there's a there was a crazy D&D space there. Um, but it's um, but the way you're treated in general on the Internet as a woman is totally different, especially in spaces like Reddit um, that are so heavily male dominated that you can treat them like absolute dog shit and talk to them that way. Um, there are times that if I did post something that was remotely identifying to me being a woman, even in the D&D space, I would get, you know, five, six, seven, twelve um, direct messages that were like, um, I bet you, I bet your boyfriend's the DM and I bet you suck his dick under the table while you play. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, what, it has absolutely nothing to do with anything, but it would, what? I would just get like tons of messages like that because of the space that Reddit is. You're I... making a face, but go in the other room and ask your wife if this is what her experience is like on the internet. And it is. No, I, I have to because the thing is, and like I, my wife, I know she does, she does not do a lot on the internet Good anyway. Yeah, her. she's, I mean, I think she has a Facebook to like show, like she's a part of Facebook groups for like moms and stuff like that. Seriously, I bet her, I bet her mental health is better because of it. Oh yeah, I've noticed yeah. that. Um, It's just, and see, this is, this just confirms why we're going to homeschool our kids and why we're going to remove technology as much as possible. Like this is just a confirmation. Oh, I'm all about that. All I want to do is homeschool my kid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Good for you. This is, I see. Cause the thing is, it's like, especially now, like I never partook in that type of behavior because my mom, I was very blessed that my mom and dad raised me like, Hey, like that, you don't, you say, ironically, like, you know, being Cuban Spaniard, like a lot of people assume that it's like the machismo behavior, but it's not like I never experienced that because my mom and dad were really like, like balanced in that regard. Like my dad, yeah. my mom and dad both worked. I mean, again, being immigrants and refugees like that, that's just, they both worked. Yeah. They both hustled. They both did what they had to do, but they also taught me like, okay, Hey, like, you know, and especially my mom, like, I'm so thankful for, she, you know, she gave me some really good advice of, okay, like, remember every, you know, you're always going to go through as a man, like, you better not hurt my daughter because of this, 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 and that. But on one end, that person, you know, did that father hurt someone else's daughter, right? Did, did, did that cycle of pain continue? Yeah. But in addition to that, like, you don't want to be the dude who causes the pain you like don't do that and plus like that is just like my mom and you know, like long story short it was about honor it was about that like true like okay like you want to be even if they treat you like dog shit like don't just don't do that so for me i have to say i was very naive to that part of the internet like i i heard of things but i didn't know truly and that's that's my fault for being naive but holy shit, I didn't think that they would say shit like that. Oh, Dang. all the time. That's just. But again, I'm like desensitized to it because it's that's how it is on spaces like Reddit, you know. Um, yeah, but it shouldn't be that. That's the thing, though. Like, it shouldn't be. You, you people shouldn't say that. And I think. No, of, of course not. But yeah, there are yeah, a lot yeah. of but a lot of people mean. that that struggle to see, you know, women as like human beings versus objects. 
Right. Which but I, I actually, I actually just did a video about that, about Forgotten Realms and how a lot of their older material um, treats women that way. But and and you know, my assumption as as they incorporate more women and and characters of color into their uh, modules and things like that, I think I'm I'm interested. I was actually having a discussion with some DM friends the other day to see what they do with the place of the pantheon of gods going forward, uh, because D and D is is very um reliant on gods being part of your system yeah it's very into the lore and the mechanics of the game and divine magic and things like that um but uh i think as it becomes more mainstream and they mainstream the rest of the game to make mm -hmm. it incredibly pc um i'm interested to see what role gods have in their multiverses going forward well, in one D&D, they specifically stated that they would have the ability to remove things from lore. So that's sure. probably going to be what it is. They'll remove certain things. Um, now, I don't necessarily think that's a good idea. And and here and this is where I, again, I'm a weird DM. If you've if 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 you've ever heard of this campaign setting called Dark Sun, yes. it is Dark Sun for the folks that don't know talks about slavery yeah. it talks about those really harsh topics and i think you still need to talk about that like as someone who is trained as a classic historian you still need to talk about it like you you need to talk about it and the differences of the different types of slavery right like there was the slavery that occurred in in the u.s based on the things that we already know which was you know driven and we can go on and on about it Sure. Versus like slavery in the Mongolian Empire when Genghis Khan ruled like that was and and there, you know, that was different, not saying that they were both, you know, that there was different ethics and morals to it. No, they're both, in my opinion, ethically and morally evil to be a right. slave. Right. But the motivation was different. So with th something like Dark Sun to challenge a player to say, is this a morally or ethically good thing? And therefore your character is challenged. And then you tell a story around that. And then you fight the evil in Dark Sun. That would have more cultural benefits than if you just took it out and said, nope, this never happened. That's my that's just my opinion. But what do you think about that? What do you think about this kind of branching off into the quote unknown? For this or removing things for the sake of, you know, something. You know, I think the removing things is one thing. And I think they've mm -hmm. appeased a lot of their new player base sure. while pissing off the old player base because, you know, this their minds are deeply wrapped around some of these pieces of lore. And I think Part of the problem, though, is that they they remove these things, but they don't replace these things. And yeah. the new the new answer is, well, it's up to your DM. Again, placing more work on the DM, which is fine if you're a homebrew DM, but not everybody is right. So yeah. there are plenty of DMs that just want to pick up the module and play, you know, Dragon Heist or whatever um, and run it through. And. I think there's a t also there's a table for everybody. Right. True. There are plenty of tables that want to have dark topics that have those things. And there are plenty of tables that, again, they don't even have death. Right. And they have little light quests. And there are tables that just have beer and pretzel tables and dungeon dive tables. And there's a table for everybody. And I think it's, you know, a subject that's 
I don't know, has also kind of weirdly become stigmatized. And I'm just getting into talking about it, but I'm treading so lightly because I'm just, it's such a stigmatized topic is heavily vetting your players, right? I think and you making should. sure that, and, and I think, yeah, and especially if you're a woman, right? Just yeah. to make sure they're the they're the right fit for your table and that your um, topics aren't going to make anybody feel uncomfortable. And, sure. you know, there's sure. plenty. And, and if it is, like, no big deal. There's plenty of other DMs out there who might want to run a game for you and plenty of other players who would love to play at your table. I think it's and about so it, consent. It is. It is. But, you know, sometimes you don't know until you're in that moment. You know what I mean? True. Um, so it's so important that you just have a, some sort of vetting process beforehand, because there's this idea that as the DM, you're responsible for everybody's fun. Mm. Right. And you're not. You're not. Everybody's a player at this table and everybody's responsible for fun. Um, it's not solely on the DM. Your fun, your DM is not responsible for your fun, everybody. Um, and so it's, it's about having those those type of conversations that make sure you're the right fit for the table and that there are different types of games and it's not a table for everybody. I really like that. I really like that because what you're from what i'm understanding what your basic your thesis in this is first and foremost yes vet and we're going to talk about vetting players because i think it's so necessary in today's age like you need to right Me too. Yeah. um because you just really don't know who's out there yeah. and not and not and like just from a safety perspective but from a 80 percent of the people who are meaning well but they say something or do something or, hey, you know what? This just isn't for me. Yeah. Like that could be it. Yeah. Um, but no, I think, yeah, you're responsible for your own joy. You're responsible both in D&D and in life. You're yeah, responsible for your own joy. Like you got to make that move. Like if you don't like something, don't do it. Like and and as a dungeon master. My question to you, would you rather someone tell you, hey, I'm not having fun like in the beginning or towards the end of the session or the campaign or, you know, as soon as possible, whatever the time frame is, right? Or would it suck to have someone say, hey, you know what? I did not enjoy this campaign and I don't think I'm going to come back. Like, I don't know about you, but I would rather them tell me now or Absolutely. as soon as possible. Absolutely. Let's, uh, let's, you know, oops, sorry. You know, it's not the, if it's not the right table for you, then, you know, that's fine. Your DM is out there. Your game is out there. The game that you want to play is out there, right? D, you know, I tell people all the time, D and D's exploding. Yeah, it is. Game's out there. Critical, uh, critical match is a Kickstarter that just released recently as of time of recording. And, uh, they're basically like, the tinder of matchmaking like for ttrpgs and what do they match people in person or just in person and virtual that's cool that's cool because i was i was hoping that's what demiplane was going to be i don't know if you're Mm -hmm. familiar with that a little Um, but it it just moved online and then for a a long time start playing dot games was in person and online Uh, and then at the pandemic they moved exclusively online and like I, I don't play online D&D. I mean, I do. I, I guessed online D&D, but it's yeah. not the same for me as playing in person. No, it's not the same. And no. So with Critical Match, um, they basically allow you to find a game in person or vir- or virtual based upon certain parameters. Mm-hmm. So, for example, 
if you want a okay here's a good example you want a the you want to play fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons heavy role play but you only want these type of spaces where it's like um let's say it's you know persons of color or let's say it's um you know whatever your comfortability whatever you want right They're, literally the the amount of fields and filters are unlimited so that. like you can plug in whatever you want and let's say oh actually here's a good example i have a friend of mine who she wants to use the app to for her girls night like if for her and her girlfriends she wants a female dungeon master for her and her girlfriends to basically play D&D once a week in person, drink wine and have fun. So okay, she that's, that's all I want in the world is an all girl D&D game. And with Critical Match you'll be able to find it. So I that's where it. like they're in the Kickstarter process now and it's awesome. But that's what I think I mean, again, that's the future of D&D, but you, you mentioned about vetting your players. And I really want to make sure that I hit on this topic. What, first off, how do you vet your players and how do you recommend people vet their players? So I think there's no right or wrong process. I think it's whatever makes you comfortable. Mm -hmm. I, you know, it starts with a a post, whether it's on D&D Beyond or um, I use Reddit. So it's on LFG, yeah, um, which that. is short for looking for group. And um, and I put exactly the type of game I want to run, exactly what I'm into, exactly who I am. So, you know, right off rip, I am a pseudo middle-aged woman who's a, a single mom, right? Like I've got limited time and yeah. I have a professional job. And the my top priority is, believe it or not, not dungeons and dragons um and so yeah. you know i that but it's still very a uh, significant part of my life it's a big part of my identity and it takes up a significant amount of my free time um yeah. and so i i just you know i let them know who i am what type of game i'm running specifically and then i put down what i'm looking for in a player and i have you know <laughs> the longer i do this the more specific i become um and so i look for a very specific age group and i'm looking for a very specific type of person and you know if you don't have a job you might not be the right fit for this campaign and you know who is a good fit for this campaign other parents or other you know working professionals things like that mm -hmm. and i'm i'm very very specific then i narrow that down even further by asking people a list of questions or when we did um our live stream, we had a whole um, Google Doc of an application with short form and long form answers. I have many DM friends who have been running auditions for their players, which I really like. Nice. And uh, yeah, I even went to a friend's audition for one of their one shots. I was like, can I just can I just audition and see what like what it is? And they're like, yeah, yeah, come and come do the audition. And it was like a short role-playing exercise and short, they wanted experienced players. And so to make sure that I wasn't like, well, I don't know where my character sheet is and I don't know what, what to bonus to add to this. Yeah. Um, and it was a great experience. I really loved it. And, um, and then I meet with somebody in person in a public place if they're a stranger yeah. to me. Yeah. And sure. especially if they're going to be playing games at my house. Um, and so we meet in a, in a public place where I can get a vibe. 
And uh, and then I look for them on social media to make sure that they're not um, like some Freeze. type of serial killer that I should write that I should know about. And yeah. generally, it, you know, it turns out if they live in my town. We probably have somebody mutual in common that I can ask. And uh, yeah. and so it's kind of a like a big process. But if it's somebody that I'm going to spend four to five hours a week with um, every single week and we're going to talk outside of this all the time, like it should be somebody that's the right fit. I agree. I mean, you sh- that lo- that investment of time in the beginning yeah. has a long term return on investment that you just you really can't compare it. Like totally. uh, you really can't. Um, and there's been times I've totally like messed up, and weirdos have gotten through like all my radar checks previously, and it's not it's not foolproof. But at least there are layers to it right there's so many layers there are certain layers that you can at least say okay like you are vetting everyone right Mm -hmm. and you're saying okay this person passed this line of defense this 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 and then go from there i mean that's the way i think about it at least like you know you can only do so much the goal as a dungeon master again is to at least in my opinion you are going to facilitate certain things so you might as well facilitate the vetting of the player. And actually, you know what? Something that just occurred to me too, which I'm going to start doing, have your other players help you vet those newbies sure. or those new players. Like yeah. say, hey, did you pick up something that I didn't pick up? Or did you um, did you see something of this? Because per- right, we might be so busy trying to ask the questions and do whatever yeah. that yeah. all of a sudden that person may say, oh, you know what? I noticed that. When you said this topic, they got a little bit hesitant to talk, maybe probably maybe not talk about it or ask, hey, is that a is that something, mm, you know, that you might uh, might want to stay away from things of that nature? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, just an idea. No, you're totally you're totally right. We recently added a new player to our group as somebody else stepped out and their job moved them away. And so we recently all went out to a public place and we met with that new player together potential new player uh to see what kind of vibe we got and even in previous games we were doing that we we would go out to bars and and meet as a group with potential new players um and to kind of get a vibe off them some experiences were great and then others we had a, a guy wait for us two girls outside of the girls bathroom and wait for us to come out um, and then followed us to our cars. Like we've had good experiences and bad experiences. Oh, damn. Yeah. That's weird. That it's, yeah, that's weird. I mean, it, again, and this is where, you know, some of my wife's friends, not all of them, some of them, like they're, they're really cool people. But I remember one time, one specific person made a comment about D D being weird and like made a specific, and I, and I won't say just because I know I don't want to, I know if I were to say the thing, that person will know it's them totally. basically. And you know, no judgment. I, I now understand because things like of what you stated, like that type of behavior puts a bad light on D and D because D and D's, like in my opinion, I would rather spend four or five hours playing D and D than spend four or five hours watching football. Like yes. that's just me. That's yes. just that's just me because 
I feel like I'm actively participating in the inter- entertainment versus passively just watching something occur. Yes. Like, yes, absolutely. Which is, and it's, and it's so much better for you than, you know, watching television, right? It's, you're yeah. using your brain, you're doing tons of, of, um, logical thinking and problem solving and teamwork sure. and things like that. And, you know, nothing makes my brain catch on fire than having to like improv an entire, you know, island out of nowhere, um, at 11 PM after three beers on a Thursday. Um, sure. so, yeah. you know, those types of things and it's, it's good for you. I agree. Well, I also want to be cognizant of time. So I will make sure I I ask the important questions, any projects that you're working on that you want to talk about anything that anywhere, really anything, anywhere, whatever you want to say, but what are some of the things that you're working on that you want to share with people? If you can share with people. Yeah. I'm really lucky to be doing funnier stuff on TikTok. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, and watching watching your TikToks too, of course. Um, I'm working with Valiant Adventuring Company on getting some really gorgeous battle maps out there for in-person players. I, um, I saw that TikTok, man. They, they look good. Aren't they nice? And they're from the really talented artists over at Eightfold Paper Company. And now they exclusively do digital battle maps. And we're working with them in order to bring those gorgeous digital battle maps, which shouldn't just be for online players, like in an affordable way for in-person players um, Mm. so that they can have them in a way that's they can use cheaply. Right. And so the, the easiest way we came up with to do that is to not have these really amazing fancy battle mats, but instead to just have gorgeous posters on, you know, poster paper. Um, That way it's really affordable. And so that you can get them shipped to your door for free. Um, They're doing three for $30 right now on valiantadventuringco.com. they're awesome too i gotta send you some brian because they're so gorgeous and let's see what else am i up to mostly that type of stuff working with valiant adventuring company and uh just been doing a lot of guest appearances so if you want someone to come and and cause chaos in your guest um dnd sometime Hmm. world out there let me know um and uh actually in a journey that might be in that i was gonna say because i did want to i have been wanting to invite certain folks into my homebrew campaign Mm. and you might be if you want to cause some chaos the players would probably like that actually they'd probably be like what the hell's going on but i would think it's funny so yeah i will actually after this i will hit you up about that because yeah i definitely gotta send you some shirts for sure um i'll send you the link you just pick whatever you want we'll go from there but love it i'll trade i'll trade you some cool stuff we'll barter i'm okay with that um Okay, no, that's awesome. I'll make sure to also put links in the description for um, uh, your TikTok and any of your socials and stuff like that. But Jenny, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and to hang out with you. Um, I really appreciate you coming on to the show. Folks, if you aren't already uh, following, go follow, go follow, like, you're going to learn so much about how to be a DM, or a GM, whatever, however you want to identify yourself. But you're going to learn so much about that and about world building. So if you want to level up your game as a world builder, go follow her. Amazing content. And folks, if you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star review um, and tell us what you like about it. Tell us what we can work on and improve on as podcasters. I'd really appreciate that. Um, And also, folks... Last but not least, be kind and compassionate to one another. 
It is some crazy times that we live in, but we really can make a difference by being compassionate to one person at a time. And I don't know, just, I, I really want to hark on that. Like be kind and compassionate folks. Cause that, that will affect someone in such a positive way. We love you. Be good. And as always folks, keep gaming.